for SEN America. This is the SEN NBA podcast. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another edition of the SEN NBA podcast. And we have a massive show for you today. We will be chatting all things Cavaliers, Lakers, Celtics, Rookies, Warriors, David Fisdale getting sacked by the Memphis Grizzlies as well. There's so much to chat about in the NBA world, and to do so, we'll be catching up with members of the SEN NBA podcast team, Chris Silva and Chris Tyler. Of course, you can catch all of SEN America's great content at SEN America on Twitter and SEN.com.au. But first, it is time to catch up with Chris Silva. And welcome back to the SEN NBA podcast. I'm now joined on the line of one of our podcast regulars and one of our SEN America team members, Chris Silva is on the line. Chris, how are you? Good, mate. How are you? Uh, good to good to be back on. Yeah, it's just been like it's, old time. It has been it has been a while. What have you been yeah. getting up to? Just just up there in Sydney and, and doing whatever you're doing at the moment. Yeah, just, just plugging away, working away. Um, you know, doing quite a few late night shifts at the moment, covering the A League and stuff. Yes, uh, beautiful. So no, it, it's been good. Uh, fresh change, but uh, like you said before. It, it's good. It's a good feeling to get paid to do something that we enjoy doing, and I think um, you know, you, myself, anytime, you know, anyone in the industry, we're, we're very lucky to be able to do this for for a living. I guess there's no doubt about it. But we are not here to chat about the uh, Melbourne victory struggles, or we're not here to chat about Tim Cahill and and Melbourne City falling out. We're here to chat about basketball, and there's plenty to chat about. In the basketball world, Chris, and we're going to start. Um, well, there's not really much place else to start at the moment, um, considering we just saw them pull off their ninth straight victory in convincing and somewhat controversial fashion. I mean, I guess if LeBron James gets ejected for the first time in, in his career, you can use the word controversial. Of course, yeah. I'm talking about the Cleveland Cavaliers. They have won nine in a row. All of those uh, start of season concerns and, and and people on Twitter just saying, you know, the Cavs, have they lost it? You know, was last year their last chance? Have they fallen off the pack? Are they even the top dog in the East? All those comments have, find, uh, have, have kind of dissipated over the last couple of weeks while they've been on this nine-game winning streak. What have you seen? You know, we'll, we'll get stuck into the nuts and bolts of it shortly, but just on a general overview of this winning streak, what have you seen from the Cavaliers? Um, it's, it's just, if you want to kind of wrap it up in a nutshell, it's, you see a bunch of guys who just know how to play with each other now. Um, I think earlier on in the season when, when they were struggling and they started out five and seven, you and I would speak a lot about it and we would just see a team that it just looked like, you know, six guys, five guys had been put out on the court um, at, a, at a local court who had never met each other. And the truth of the matter is that a lot of these guys just hadn't had previous interactions. I think they had about seven or eight new faces um, in this team. So being being an older team with a, with a shortened preseason, uh, LeBron James only played one preseason game, um, they had a kind of a later start, if you will, than, than other teams. So now you're seeing the team, uh, Tyronn Lue has settled on a pretty solid rotation of uh, 10 guys that he's going go to go to every single night. And... More importantly, he's uh, managed to figure out certain lineups. So guys are able to know and anticipate who they're going to play with um, on a nightly basis. And I think 
that has helped them greatly, um, especially on the defensive end where we've seen tons of improvement. I think that's a good point there you make about the the, the players just getting used to each other and getting used to yeah. each other because, I mean, obviously the team's come up, what, look, you take a look at it. The past three years have been in the finals, of course, won the title two years ago or a year or so ago. So the general, I mean, just consensus is just to assume, you know, they've been that successful over the past few years that the team's yeah. the same team, LeBron's still there, blah, blah, blah. But when you actually stop and think, well, hey, hang on. Kyrie Irving goes, and that's just not any person going. That's, you know, one of your prime and, and optimal offensive movers, and that has a flow-on effect to everyone else. You bring in Wade. Of course, you bring in Isaiah Thomas to replace Irving, and he hasn't played yet this season. He have all the issues with Derek Rose and his injuries, and and he's he's obviously taken leave at the moment, and we don't really know if we're ever going to see him again uh, yeah. with Derek Rose. So that's another another piece of adv- adversity that this team has to deal with. It's a lot. I mean... Yes, they have LeBron, and we all know they didn't start the year. They were playing bad basketball. We understand that they lost to bad teams. But, I mean, usually people give teams that, that, that month or so leeway. They're getting it together. They're a new unit. Cleveland didn't really afford that that type of of analysis. And, I mean, I guess it makes sense considering it is LeBron James's team, and as long as you've got LeBron James, yep. um, you're always a contender. And I'm not saying by any means that – they, um, I'm not giving them an excuse or anything like that because, like I said, they were playing bad basketball and the defense was, was abysmal. But it does take time, and you can see that because a lot of the stuff they're doing now, you just like you mentioned, it's stuff that you expect from a team that's used to playing with each other and that's comfortable with their rotations and their yeah. defensive movements and their offensive movements. I mean, we saw in the game against Miami, their, their defense was incredible in the first half, it really fueled. Their offense, and another thing I've noticed, we'll chat. We'll chat about the defense in a tick. We'll move on. I just want to chat about the offense quickly. They're moving yeah. quicker. They're getting out in transition. They're utilizing yeah. their talents. A guy like Kevin Love, I think, is having a pretty good season. You know, I think yeah. Kevin Love's really, really found his role in Cleveland. I mean, probably took a little bit longer than we anticipated. Yeah. But I think he's pretty comfortable. And he was a little question mark for mine coming in. You know, without yeah. Irving now, all of a sudden Love has to adjust. To, to another dynamic, and we all know he has struggled in that regard, but he's been good. And LeBron, oh, LeBron's just literally, this might sound stupid, he's literally playing at a career best rate. Oh, it's unbelievable yep. what he's doing right now. And your offense, and the offense was fine in, in when they were losing as well. Yeah, it really yep. was. It came down to defense. But for my, I'm not sure what your thoughts are. The offense is just moving quicker, more comfortable, and more efficiently. Yeah, and I think um, weirdly, it's it's actually been the um, insertion of um, Jose Calderon into mm. the lineup has almost given that that starting lineup a bit of impetus. Having having a guy who is is known to be a floor general and and really with this unit and at this juncture of his career, he's not looking to score the basketball, so he's really looking to move the ball, and then when he gives the ball up, he's buzzing around the court. Um, the starting lineup with him in the lineup, um, along with James, Kevin Love, JR, and Jay Crowder, is outscoring teams by 15 points per 100 possessions. So they're playing really, really well. Um, and that's a far cry from earlier in the season where you saw lineups with you know Derek Rose at the point or Iman Shumpert, or even when LeBron James played the point a couple mm. of games those lineups are getting blown off the floor. Um, So just having that point guard who knows not only how to play the point guard role, but also how to defend point guards. Now, obviously he's not a lockdown defender, but we've seen him, you know, 
give great effort and, you know, harass guys 94 feet um, from the moment they uh, inbound the basketball. So he's been a very, very, very welcome surprise to the Cavs lineup. And you mentioned Kevin Love. I mean, mm. we speak about another adjustment. You know, Kevin Love's guarding fives this year. Yeah. And when you're going from guarding, you know, fours who now in the league where, where the when you look at where the league's trending, a lot of the fours are quite smaller and quicker. And he goes from guarding them to guarding, you know, Dwight Howard one night, Joel Embiid one night, mm. Hassan Whiteside tonight. And that, that's been an adjustment for him. And, and banging with those big seven-footers every single night has probably affected his legs on the other end. Yeah. Where we've seen his, his shot hasn't it's come and gone. Mm. Um, but what it does is, for Cleveland, having Love at the five, when you've got a rim protector at the other end, on offense, when Kevin Love is at the five, it yeah. immediately negates the impact that the opposition rim protector can have. It's a two-way. It's a two-way street. It's almost like Absolutely. it's almost Absolutely. like giving up a a little bit on some end to gain something on the other. Yeah, it's yeah. it's like everything. Absolutely right. And the Cavaliers have done a great job of not only using Kevin Love but also leveraging the threat that his shooting brings to get easy baskets inside. Yeah. Um, and you see the Warriors do that better than anyone in the league where they will almost use, you know, Steph Curry and Clay Thompson as a decoy to get layups. Mm. Um, so that's been a really good wrinkle to see in the offense. Um, and the ball movement, man movement, you know, guys are cutting a lot. LeBron James has been used pretty well off the ball as well. Um, Jeff Green's another guy who's, uh, shown an excellent ability to move off the ball and you know score, score inside. So, yeah, the offense is good. And look, it's only going to get better. They they have a really great, great, great offensive guy in Isaiah Thomas. Yeah. Um, you know, chomping at the bit to come in. You know, I've, I haven't seen a guy. I tweeted it yesterday. I haven't seen anyone be this excited on the bench since like yeah. um, Kent Bazemore was on the Warriors. Um, mm. Way back in 2012 or 13, he's he's just raring to go, and and by all accounts, he's he's only a couple of weeks away. They're saying um, mid December, where you know earlier on in the season there was talk of you know it could be the All Star break, yeah, could be after the All Star break. So while they're on this ro- role, you know, adding that guy in, where now you go from a point guard in Calderon who's not even looking to score, and the offense is still clicking at an unbelievable rate. When you chuck a guy in like Thomas, who can score from all three levels of the court, um, he can create his own offense, um, it's just going to make them that much more potent. Um, and we've known with this team, even though uh, sorry, Isaiah Thomas isn't obviously going to be a plus defender, when the Cavaliers are clicking offensively, invariably it it's, uh, affects them better on the defensive end, and, they, and they've shown that, um, again, this season, where the more fluent they've looked offensively, the better effort and more uh, more effort that they've yeah. given the defensive end. And we'll just we'll just quickly touch on that, the defense, because I mean, that's been key to the turnaround as well. And like you mentioned, I mean, we all know this with Cleveland. It comes down to effort. You know, we've seen them be... A, a, a defensive team that can trouble the opposition in the playoffs and in the finals when it's really, really crunch moments. 
We've also seen him give up 120 points to teams like the Brooklyn Nets on multiple occasions and whatnot. Yeah. It's an effort thing. It's a mindset yeah. thing. It's yeah. it's dictated by LeBron understanding what time of the season it is and, and when to utilize and exert his energy and when to save it. I mean, to me, that's what it is on the defensive. I don't think there's that much, I mean, structurally or framework wrong. I mean, I think that they know how to stop teams. Like yeah. they can defend at a league average or you know on on the on a fringe top ten rate. It's more so yeah. just doing it consistently and with effort. And we know if this Cleveland team that consistency and effort during the regular season anyway, it's not guaranteed. And last one before we move on from the Cavs, LeBron. We just got to touch on him a bit in detail. Like I mentioned before, he's in career best form, Chris. He, yeah. He's what is he thirty two, thirty three? It's someone that has no sign whatsoever of stopping down. He's doing everything on both ends. He's efficient at the moment. He even, he's been ejected even in a game. He did it today, first time ever. So he's just yeah. ticking off career achievements as we go. He's just been unreal, hasn't he? Yeah, he's... Um, you run out of words with LeBron. Yeah. Like, you and I have watched him, you know, day in, day out now for the last four years. Um, and you'd think after a while, you'd become numb to what he does. Um, and especially given that he's been around for so long now. Um, but every season, um, no matter how many accolades or achievements that this guy has, he just adds something to his game every single mm. summer. Um, you know, this year he's, he's shooting the three ball as confidently as I've ever seen him. And that's including his, you know, prime years in Miami. Um, it's funny, he actually... Um, had a elbow issue during the uh, preseason and the off season, and to almost counter that elbow issue, he kind of changed his shot a little bit yeah. and and tucked his elbow a little bit in more, and it's actually made him a better three point shooter. Um, that's what he's been attributing. Um, you know, he's shooting, I think, forty two or forty three percent from three now, and we're pretty much a quarter of the way into the season, so it's um, not really a small sample size, if you will. Nope. Um, you know, Kyle Korver, who's probably as good a judge of good shooting, um, he says that, you know, he's never seen LeBron shoot as well as he has. So, as we've known, you know, for the last 15 years, when when LeBron's shot is on, he's unstoppable. And that remains, um, you know, something that, that the rest of the league, including Golden State, has never been able to solve, you know, as much of success as Golden State has had against Cleveland, um, they haven't stopped LeBron James. Not, uh, so, not many yeah. have. <laughs> yeah. So, and that's look. That's not to say that Cleveland is favourites to beat Golden State or anything like that. But um, it's just a tes- testament to what a unbelievable player LeBron is, um, even at this juncture of his career. Yeah, I was speaking to um a, an ex Australian Boomers assistant coach the other day, and he was well speaking about LeBron. It was a topic of conversation, and he was telling me he was speaking to Joe Ingles about it, and Joe Ingles was kind of saying just how hard and taxing it is on both the physical and mental side of your body playing in the NBA. You know, so Joe Ingles, a guy who's a rotational player, gives yep. you a solid 20, 25 minutes a night. And he just spoke about how hard that is. And yep. then he was talking about LeBron and he said, to be able to do it at the highest level and be the man for 15 years or however long it's been and be the best player on the floor night in, night out. He said it's he was in awe of him. This is, this is yep. his NBA counterpart, just in awe of how... A yep. guy can consistently night in, 
night out, just do that over the course of his career. It's a real testament to his greatness. And like I always say, like, I mean, look, we all know the Cavs aren't a perfect team, but if LeBron's on, on the team, I mean, there's no reason to doubt some whatsoever in the Eastern Conference. Uh, yep. we'll, we'll move on, Chris. We're going to chat about some news before I let you go that, that did break this week, and he broke yesterday, actually. That's David Fisdale, of course, only in his second year with the Memphis Grizzlies, has been sacked. Of course, the team's on a losing streak. They have missed Mike Conley. He's been in and out of the lineup. But of course, Marcus Gasol, there was maybe some tension, tension there between yeah. himself and Co- well, formerly Coach Fisdale, I should say now. What, what, what's your take on this? I mean, this is a Memphis Grizzlies team that has been a model of consistency over the last uh, nearly a decade and have been in the finals every year since 2010-11. Yeah, you know they're below five hundred. They're struggling in a losing season. Well, I mean, was was it the right move? Was it too soon? Was it something deeper than basketball? What's your just general take on the David Fisdale uh, sacking? Excuse me. Yeah, so it's it's not that the fact that he got fired, I guess, so early into um, a four or five year deal. I can't remember what Memphis exactly signed him for, but. Given last year, you know, they had so many injuries and an aging roster, and, and, you know, they still squeezed out 43 wins. Um, And, you know, Coach Fisdale is known across the league to to be one of the, you know, smarter NBA minds. So, and he's a young coach as well. So when you're getting rid of a guy like that, it's always a surprise. Um, Now, Hearing and listening to what a few, you know, people who are plugged in with the Grizzlies organization say, they say that the Gasol Fisdale relationship, you know, was something that was brewing from the off season, mm. um, and obviously the ownership has kind of gone. Okay, we're going to choose uh, Mark Gasol over Fisdale um, yeah. now. You know, is that fair? You can you can argue both ways, I guess. Um, but if you look at the history of the league, right? Um, whenever whenever it's a coach versus a star player, hey, you know how often has a has a coach come out on top? It's a player. Um, it's a player dictated league. And it's we a all, players league. We all know it always that. Will be. It yeah. always will be. And you know, we saw this with um, you know Dwight Howard and Stan Van Gundy in Orlando. We saw it with. LeBron James and uh, David Blatt in Cleveland, yeah. uh, and we've seen it here. You you will see it. You might see it with um, Giannis and Jason Kidd down the road. You yeah. know, you never know. Yeah. Um, and so, as, as sad as I am for David Fisdale, look, he he's well respected around the league, and he's definitely going to be able to bounce back. There's no question. Um, it's it's more interesting to see kind of what happens with the Grizzlies now. They've They've been one of those teams where I think this season, more than any, they've been in that real pivot position, if you like, where kind of if it breaks well for them, they can, you know, make a run into the playoffs and not necessarily trouble the higher-seeded teams. But, you know, if you can get to the second round somehow, that might be, or even win a few games in the first round, that might be considered success. Similarly, you know, if, if they've had a couple of injuries, you could go the other way and kind of almost bottom out. Um, and so it'll be interesting to see what they do from here. Um, obviously, the move was to keep Gasol, um, as far as we know um, right now. So it'll be interesting to see not only just how Gasol 
rebounds back, how how the team itself rebounds back. Um, because, you know, from what I saw outside looking in, the rest of the seems, team seemed to like him. And, you know, would they take that for data thing? Um, he yeah. seemed to be quite a likable like, guy. And you saw, funnily enough, um, some of the veterans who, who were formerly on the team, you know, Vince Carter tweeted, uh, his displeasure at the at the sacking. Um, you saw LeBron James and Dwayne Wade, you know, speak their mind yep. given their relationship with Fisdale during um, his time in Miami. Um, so it, it's it's very interesting. I I certainly didn't expect Fisdale to be the first coach uh, sacked this year. Well, second um, second behind. Um... Uh, Errol Watson, of course, the Suns. Oh, Errol Watson. Of but course. I mean, that was so early. <laughs> that that was, doesn't that was, count. That was, that was so early. Might as well have been preseason. Uh, yeah, exactly um, right. Uh, yeah. It'll, it'll definitely be. I mean, like I mentioned off the top, you know, Memphis Grizzlies one of the most stable franchises in the NBA. Yeah. But seems like that's not. I'm gonna say they're not unstable, but I mean, it's something that you don't expect a franchise like them to do. It's the second coach this early into his tenure. When I mean. You know, he's had some some parts in and out of his lineup and whatnot, but it'll definitely be fascinating to see where they go from here and if they can turn it around and yep. what and what it means for Mark Gasol and the team moving forward. Hey, Chris, as always, appreciate you joining me on the SEN NBA podcast. Before we let you go, where can we find you on, on Twitter and, and all your other work? Uh, yeah, just on Twitter at, at CDeSilva23. You can check out all of Chris's good work down there on Twitter. And coming up next... On the SCN NBA podcast, it's time to head over to the States and catch up with Chris Tyler. Welcome back to the SCN NBA podcast. As promised, it's time to head over to Brooklyn, New York City to chat to our man on location. Of course, I speak about Chris Tyler. Chris, how are you? Yeah, not too bad, Luke. Guess what I'm doing at the moment? Guess what I'm doing at this exact second? Right now. Right now, I don't yep. know. What, what, watching basketball or something like that? I don't know. You'd think so. I do have the uh, the Utah-Denver game on in, in one of the tabs on my computer, but my uh, Emirates frequent flyer points uh, expire tomorrow, 13,000 of them. Yes. So I have to go through Emirates uh, shop, essentially, and try to find myself 13,000 miles worth of stuff so I don't waste my miles completely. So, so how's it going? Through. How's it going? What, what have you found? What, what is currently in the cart and what will be placed in the cart? Or are you struggling to find something? No, I found four things. I've, I've made it all the way through. I've, I've got oh. four things that I'm trying to toss up between. There's right. actually some decent things. I don't know how much it's going to cost for shipping or anything like that. Hopefully not too much. But here's the four. I'll probably have to choose... Three of them, I guess. Okay. So one is like a, a coffee cup, right? That's only six thousand miles, so I'd still have seven thousand to spend. A Easy. coffee cup. Coffee cup, like a like a thermos kind of thing. Okay. Yes. Not bad. Yep. A corkscrew. I don't know what I'd do with a corkscrew, but it was sixty-seven hundred miles, so I could get the coffee cup and the corkscrew. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Or old navy gift card worth twenty-five bucks, but that's ten and a half thousand, so I wouldn't have much room for anything else. Or this is probably what I'm going to go for. This is eleven eleven thousand eight hundred, a solar power bank Air six thousand, which is essentially a portable phone charger. Oh yeah, they're good. The, out of all the things you mentioned, I'm not sure how to point that up. I'm not very good at math. I don't have the calculator on in front of me. But in terms of day to day usefulness, you'd have to go for the coffee cup and the portable yeah. charger, wouldn't you? I mean, you'll get the most yeah, use out of I those. Can't two. Get both. You can't, I can't get, get both. both. 
Oh. If I if I get the um the the charger, that that'd be it. I, I wouldn't be able to get anything else. And it, it's tough being over here, man. This, this is the stuff that I do on a nightly basis. This is how I spend my uh, what is it? Monday, Tuesday? What day is it? Tuesday evenings. Tuesday evening over there, of course. Wednesday afternoon down here, back at the Eskin Studios in Richmond. I, I, I would go for the charger because I think. I mean, you get a coffee cup. You, you buy a coffee, they give you a cup, right? So sure. if, if you're if you're out and about and your phone's running out of battery, you can't pick up a phone charger off the floor. But if you got it on you, you got this charging device on you at all times. It's portable. You know, I mean, you know, it's happy days when your phone's running out of battery. You got to plug it in to get some get some battery life into it. I reckon it's a no brainer. That's a great point. I just have to make sure that it's compatible with my phone. Yes. Um, I'd hate to get it and find out that it's got the wrong capabilities or something like that. I don't know. But that would uh, be you good. know what? That, that's probably going to be the winner. Or else the Old Navy gift card. 25 buck gift card. Yeah. I'll, I'll buy something at Old Navy. You get some cheap shit there. So yeah. Well, as you toss up that uh, life-changing decision, Chris, let's <laughs> speak some basketball. We'll get stuck right into it because... Of course, we're uh, coming off our chat with Chris Silva, where we kind of had a deep dive into two issues, the Cleveland Cavaliers' win streak and David Fisdale getting sacked by the Memphis Grizzlies. We're going to try and go through some quick hitting topics here. You know, we're going to try and get through a few topics and just get some quick thoughts on some of the burning issues across the NBA landscape at the moment. We're going to, we're going to start, I mean, we all know you love your rookies, Chris. You love the draft. You love watching the kids. It's almost your area of expertise. We'll start in the Eastern Conference. Because that's where a lot of the fascinating ones are, headed by Ben Simmons, of course. The, 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 the rookies in the East, what are you seeing? Who have you liked? Who haven't you liked? Who's on top of the pecking order at this stage? Well, the rookies all around the league, not just the East, are playing really fantastic basketball this year. We've got a really deep class of rookies, and we've known that for a long time. We knew this time last year that the incoming draft class was going to be one that was very deep. It wasn't just five or ten players deep. You were going to get some talent at the end of the first round and into the second. We've seen that with Carl Kuzman. We've seen that with um, Semi Ozley and all this sort of stuff. But there's three guys in particular that I want to touch on. The first one, which should come as no surprise to anyone, is Ben Simmons. Mm. Still technically a rookie. Obviously, he had that year in the NBA last year, getting acclimatized to the travel and all that sort of stuff, which might have helped him a little bit. And just another year to build his body and, and, and train and all that sort of stuff. But he's just been flat out fantastic. I don't know if you listened to the Bill Simmons podcast, but a couple of weeks ago he mentioned that Ben Simmons was already the 14th ranked yeah. NBA player in the league, not just for rookies, not just for Eastern Conference guys. This is in the entire league. He's already the 14th best player, and that just goes to show that it's not just us Australians who are ranking him really highly. It's the entire NBA media because he's he's doing everything. He's not just scoring. He's... He's impacting by his rebounding. He's, he's got great assist numbers. He's leading the rookies, I think, in all three categories, or he was at some stage in the past yeah. week. So he's just impacting his team in every way possible. And the 76ers actually look really good at the moment. They're fifth in the East, 11-8 record. I think they played tonight. I haven't in, uh, looked at their score from tonight. No, they didn't play tonight. They played tomorrow. Yeah. Um, so they're playing really fantastic basketball. And essentially, it's because... He's playing so well, and Joel Embiid is playing so well. That one-two punch is fantastic. Normally, when you have a matchup with another team, you want to make sure that you have the best player on the court at all times. They, a lot of nights, have two of the best players yeah. on the court yeah. at all times. And, and we always <laughs> we always talk about how it's a superstar league, and you have superstars to win games. Like you mentioned, they have two of them at the moment. Yes, they're young, but I mean the way they're playing, definitely playing like superstars. Just quickly on Simmons. I mean, you mentioned there how, of course, he had the 
the year out with the foot injury and how that, that might have worked in his benefit because he got to get used to travel and maybe got to see things that you don't see when you're on the floor. But I would also argue on on the other side of that, that could that you know time off could have been. I reckon that kind of makes what he's doing now even more special because you got to remember. So if you look at the start of this season, you know, you take out you take out the preseason and summer league games because the level of intensity is a lot lower in those contests compared to regular season NBA matches. He hadn't played real proper competitive basketball since college, which at the start of this year was what eighteen months ago. You know, he was coming yeah. off a massive, massive playing layoff. And it's taken him no time to get back into a physical shape that allows him to play almost at a night-to-night basis at this extremely high level. So I think that, that that really just enhances what he's doing at the moment. Yeah, you're exactly right. That's why I didn't tip him to be the rookie of the year. At the start of the year, I had Dennis Smith Jr. I thought it would take Ben Simmons a couple of months to really... Mm integrate back into basketball because like you said it wasn't he didn't even play in March when he was in college yeah. he, he finished his season really really early so it had been so long since we'd actually seen him play in a competitive game of basketball and it was like he never missed a beat whatsoever coming into the first game he's just started dominating from the start and that just goes to show how good this kid really is he's blown away my expectations I'm sure he's blown away 76ers fans expectations the coaching staff's expectations he's proven to be one of the best rookies that we've seen in a long, long, long time. And who else? What other rookies out there are just strutting their stuff at the moment, uh, Christos? You can call me a homer, but (laughs) Jason Tatum. Yeah. He's he's playing phenomenal basketball. He's started every game so far this season for a team that holds the best record in the entire NBA. And he's not just doing it playing a couple of minutes a game. Like He's playing meaningful minutes and he's contributing a lot 13.7 points per game 4.5 rebounds per game shooting at a really high clip from three he's really one of the most important guys on the Celtics roster and they needed him to step up once uh, Gordon Haywood went out with that injury five minutes into that uh, Cleveland Cavaliers game Mm. we needed guys like Tatum and Brown to step up and take on a lot more of the scoring load because otherwise we wouldn't have anyone to score Jason Tatum does that spectacularly not only has he done that but he's been really contributing on the defensive end as well he can guard three four five sometimes even the two spot he has shown how versatile he is we didn't think he was going to be this type of player Coming out of college, he's rebounding better than we thought. He's defending better than we thought. He's shooting from the three better than we thought. And we thought he was going to be a really good player. Yeah, yeah, exactly right. He exceeded all his expectations. If it was any other year, last year, if, if he would have been in a draft class last year, he would have won rookie of the year. This year, he just gets unlucky because Ben Simmons is there. Ben Simmons is still by far ahead of him. But Jason Tatum's an easy second. Yeah, and, and it's one of those... difference between Tatum. Yeah, it's not like one of those things where it's a rookie on a bad team just fitting in. He's come straight into a team that won 16 straight games, top of the Eastern Conference. That, that you know they're con- they're contending, they're competing in the Boston Celtics, and he's been a massive part of it. Hey, let's move on. We'll say it on the rookie theme, but we'll move on to a team that isn't competing, and that is the LA Lakers. But just look, they're not competing, but that doesn't mean they're not fascinating because we all know they're rookies. Kyle Kuzma, Lonzo Ball, of course. I mean. Who's playing better, Chris? I mean, who, at this stage, as crazy as it sounds, who's playing better? Is it is it the number two overall draft pick, or is it their second round draft pick? Well, the late first round draft pick, but Cole, who's yes. he's playing better? He's, he's shooting better than Lonzo Ball. He's impacting the team a lot better. Let's just go through these stats. So I've, got, I've got a line of stats to, to yeah. figure you, and then we'll, we'll go into some discussion. So Cole Kuzma, if you have a look, he's... 
stats line, 16.7 points per game, 6.1 rebounds per game, 15.5 player efficiency rating, 56.8 effective field goal percentage, 1.5 win share, and 21.2 usage percentage, right? Yeah. Usage percentage points, whatever you you call it. Yeah. Lonzo Ball, 8.7 points per game, which is less than Kyle. 7.3 rebounds, a little bit over. 10.0 10.0 player efficiency rating, 5.5 less than Cole Kuzma, 36.3 effective field goal percentage, which is 20% less than Cole Kuzma, mm. a 0.1 win share, 0.1 win yeah. share, yeah. and an 18.2 usage percentage. That's from a point guard, 18.2%. Yeah. So he's not Cole impacting. Kuzma, the, the biggest thing I take out of that, obviously the Lakers aren't winning many games in general, but Alonzo Ball at this stage in his career isn't impacting winning. He's not influencing no. winning games, and that's no, he's not. Yeah, and I mean, look, he's had he's had two triple doubles so far this season. I don't know. I didn't watch the first one. I watched the second one. That was the most underwhelming triple double I've ever seen. <laughs> they ended up smashing Denver in that game anyway. But Jokic went off in the third quarter. He got ejected, and they were kind of in control the whole game. But even even though that was probably statistically his best game. A lot of the rebounds you get were flukes. A lot of the assists were just, they, they weren't um, finding teammates that no one else could see or anything like that. It was just a simple pass, and they were just, whoever he was passing just was hitting their shots. It, it's not, an interesting I'm not one. That he's not a good player or anything like that. I'm just saying, like, at the moment, and I'm not saying that he's not going to be a good player because yeah. I think he's still going to be a fantastic basketball player. Cole Kuzma right now is so much better than Lonzo Ball. Yeah, and I think, I think most people would agree with that statement, but I was going to about to preface it. I mean, we do have to put that right on. I saw Stephen Curry, Stephen Curry said it today. Someone asked him about Lonzo Ball, and he kind of said, well, I hope you didn't judge me off my first 15 or 20 games either. You know, so, I mean, because, yeah. of, because of the hype that Lonzo brought in, because of LeVar and his, and his dad and his family, and all the off-court hoopla that surrounded him, going to the Lakers, of course, the biggest franchise in the league, there was always going to be a bright and spotlight on him. There was always going to be more criticism of his play. Look, he hasn't been playing great basketball. We understand that. We know Kuzma's playing better. But I, I, I don't feel any less confident that Lonzo Ball could turn into a really, really strong starting point guard like I've had at the start of the season. I don't feel any less confident of that at this stage because he's had a bad first 15 games. You know, it's, yeah, exactly. it's a well, very it's small sample size. How good Kuzma's been rather correct. than how bad Lonzo Ball Yeah, been. correct. Correct. Hey, let's move on. Speaking of a team that's been a team that has been very good, or teams that have been very good, almost unexpectedly in a way, they sit at the top of the Eastern Conference. It's the Detroit Pistons and the Boston Celtics. Now, of course, Boston we know had the 16 game winning streak that got broken. You know, they bounced back, and Detroit haven't they come out of nowhere? You know, we always say there's always one team every year that kind of just comes from the clouds type of thing. You know. No one really sees it coming. You know, look at Detroit Pistons, Andre Drummond, Reggie Jackson, kind of just been middling around that middle of the Eastern Conference type of thing, swept in the first round, whatnot. All of a sudden, they're playing the type of basketball where they actually beat Boston the other day. Their offense is no longer underpinned by a simple pick and roll action. It's more fluid. It gets more people involved. Stan Van Gundy is just doing a terrific job with that Detroit Pistons team, Christos. Yeah, finally we're seeing the East not be the... yeah. Like, like considerably worse. The inferior. The Obviously, the West still has probably the two best teams in the league. You'd say the Warriors and the Rockets are mm-hmm. still better than the Cavs or the Celtics or the Pistons. But after that, it's it's pretty even along the line. So you'd have a look at Celtics. 
playing fantastic basketball, 18 and 4 at the moment. Kyrie Irving is up there in the MVP conversation. Al Horford's playing some really good basketball, and he might be the most important player on that Celtics team. Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum mentioned before. Pistons, Tobias Harris is having a career year. Avery Bradley is proving to be a very influential pickup for them. Reggie Jackson and Andre Drummond are both playing really well. The Cavs are third at the moment. They're surging. They're going to get to the top of the year certain, uh, sooner rather than later. The Raptors, 76 as we mentioned as well. These are all really good teams. And I didn't even mention the Wizards, who are seventh at the yeah. moment. So yeah, with no John Wall, really so you'll get talent. Yeah, they'll get John Wall yeah. back and be even better. You'd imagine. Exactly, you've really got a lot of talent in the East, a lot more so than than we're expecting. You mentioned before how each year there's a team that comes up and surprises us. Last year it was the Wizards. This yeah. year it's the Pistons. I love the way that they're playing. I had actually tipped the Pistons last year to be a top four side. Right. They obviously had a disappointing year, but they've certainly bounced back this year. Andre Drummond, is just, he just dominated the Celtics uh, last night. He grabbed 22 boards. He, got, he grabbed as many boards as the entire Celtics starters altogether. He's just playing some fantastic basketball, and they're just a really fun team to watch. So no longer, I don't think, can you look at the East and say they are a markedly inferior uh, conference than the West, because... After even 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 the Warriors, after the Warriors, it's relatively yeah. similar. Yeah. No, I, I just I just like it. The fact that we're finally starting to see some um, competition in the East. And another team that I didn't even mention is Milwaukee. They mm. obviously have been playing not so good in the last couple of weeks or so, and Giannis hasn't been playing as well as he did in the first couple of weeks. But once he starts to find his form again, they're another dangerous side. You spoke about Andre Drummond. Let me let me, let me ask you a question. I, Right, right now, okay, you're building a team right now, and you have a choice of your starting big man. Would you choose Andre Drummond or Andre Jordan? Out of the two. Out of the two. Um, Drummond. Yeah, I agree. He gives you more, doesn't he? He he gives you more. Offensively, he gives you a lot more. Yeah, and it kind of be as dominant defensively. Yeah, but he still grabs just as many rebounds, if not more, than. Um, DeAndre Jordan, he controls the paint just as well. He might not just be as much of a um, shot blocker as yeah. DeAndre Jordan, but he's much more of a um, over, uh, well-rounded player, I guess, than DeAndre Jordan. And they're both terrible free throw shooters, so you yeah. wouldn't hey. say that you choose DJ just because he's got a better free throw percentage than Drummond. Yeah. Hey, but it got, leading to the conversation about DeAndre Jordan, of course, his name has popped up in trade rumors throughout the last uh, week or so. Is he... I was thinking about this the other day with Andre Drummond. I mean, uh, not uh, DeAndre Jordan, excuse me, not Andre Drummond. DeAndre Jordan. Would he be one of the least uh, valuable trade assets out of of an all-star group? If you have your all-star players, would he be the one that yields you the least in return? Because he's just that limited? I still think he's worth a bit. I don't, yeah. I don't know. I've been saying about how the Cavaliers are in talks to trade Tristan Thompson for him and good on the Cavs if they can get that uh, yeah. done. To me, DeAndre Jordan is so much better than Tristan Thompson. Yeah. Tristan Thompson has been trashed for the last season and a half, if not longer. I know you're, you're a Cavaliers oh, fan. Yeah, no, I'm that's... Sure you'd much rather have DeAndre Jordan you know, at the five spot than Tristan Thompson. I, I Tristan think... Tristan's not even starting. I think that trade's a bit of a pipe dream type of thing from Cleveland's perspective. I mean, if they could pull that off, all the power to him. But uh, DeAndre Jordan is by far and away a better player than Tristan Thompson. It's not even the same stratosphere, to be honest. Yeah, I don't know. Like, as, as a Celtics fan, I've, I've been 
last couple of seasons, I've, I, I'll admit, I've thought to myself, what, what can we give up for DeAndre Jordan? I think he'd be a guy who could fit into the system really well. He's a really good defensive player. We don't need him to contribute offensively. We just need him to control the paint just like he does. So he would have fit in really well. At the moment, he's just his, his contract's just too big, and he's got that player um, option for next year, which is worth, what, like 33, yeah. $34 million or something like that? It's, it's a lot of um, baggage to take on for a player. So I guess who would... Oh, obviously, he's in trade discussions, whether he's going to get traded or not, who knows. But who would be his best fit? Which team that's in that contending type of mold do you look at and say, yes, that is a team right there that needs a big man, they need a DeAndre Jordan type player? Well, it is Cleveland. Yeah. We'll be clear. Out of all, you made me say, like, how fun would he be at the Rockets? I don't think the Rockets need him um, particularly, but and they don't have any cap space. Yeah. But it'd be out of the top tier teams. It'll be the Cavs and the Rockets. I can't see how it's going to get done to either of the teams. But if, if you're asking strict, strictly salary aside, who would he fit best yeah. with? Yeah. It's the Rockets and the Cavs. Yeah. It's an, it throws up an interesting dynamic, you know, as we approach the trade deadline, these contending teams, do they maybe overpay for a guy like Andre Jordan to try and really elevate themselves to that to that top tier, that really, really top tier for the 2018 final. Speaking of a team that won't be um, won't be needing any more assistance is the Golden State Warriors. We're going to end on them. But you want to chat about them, the Kevin Durant-less Golden State Warriors, as they've been over the past uh, couple of weeks. No Durant, it doesn't really matter, does it, for Golden State? It doesn't matter for them winning games, but it matters for me watching them because I, I just prefer it. <laughs> if anyone has been listening to this podcast for the last year and a half, they know that I hated Durant moving over to the Golden State Warriors purely because I loved how the Golden State Warriors played before he actually moved over there. Steph Curry was a better player. He was fun to watch. The entire team, I thought, was so much more fun before Kevin Durant came over and then he came and kind of cut short um, the form that Steph Curry was producing. Now that he's out of the lineup again, Steph Curry was out of the lineup in the last game as well, but Curry's kind of started finding some uh, offensive form again. He finished with 39 points, 33 points and 27 points in the games that he's played without KD over the past couple of weeks, which is, includes like, that 39 is his highest of the season and that mm. 33 is his fourth highest of the season. This is the Steph Curry that I fell in love with a couple of years ago, the guy that was shooting pretty much 50-40-90 for the entire season, averaging over 30 points a game. This is the guy that I wanted to see. This is why I loved Golden State so much. And the fact that now we can see them again without Kevin Durant just makes me want to watch him again. <laughs> so it's solely just for your own entertainment and enjoyment 100%, purposes. 100%. <laughs> it's, it's incredibly greedy. Yeah, I that. It is. <laughs> but I just love seeing Steph Curry without... Kevin Durant. Now, I will say, obviously, he still has these offensive um, outbursts, even with Kevin Durant. I actually went and saw them in January mm. play the Clippers when they were both playing, and Steph Curry shot 44 points in three quarters. So that, that's the kind of that's the Steph Curry that I wanted to see. Durant took a back seat in that game. He only shot 22, 23 points or something like that. But that's the Steph Curry that I've been missing. He was one of my mm. favorite players a couple of years back. I want to see more of that from him. I don't want to see him play second banana. Yeah. Kevin Durant, I want him to really take the reins and be that number one guy for as long as he possibly can. Well, that brings us to an end. We'll end it on that note, Chris, for the SCN NBA podcast. Now, as always, we appreciate your time. And before we let you go, where can we find you on Twitter and all your other work? 
You can find me at Christos Tyler. You can find all my work there. So if you just hit me up on, on Twitter, I'll be tweeting out all my articles, on my podcasts, and everything else that uh, I think of. So make sure you hit me up there. We look forward to it, and we'll wrap it up next here on the SCN NBA Podcast. Thanks for joining us on another big edition of the SEN NBA podcast. As always, you can find us on Twitter at SEN America to catch all of our great US sport content. You can also find us sen.com.au. We'll be joining you next time on the SEN NBA podcast.